as I hear some preacher say, don't fool me now. Do you know he's worthy? Well, if he's worthy, why don't we just take about 10 seconds and say, thank you, Lord. Glory, hallelujah to your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. sometime watch this guy play it will mesmerize you just watching that God-given ability we thank God on this morning he's worthy y'all you know what if you can't thank God for you thank God for what he's done for somebody you know for somebody you love you know that family member, that friend, could not have gotten out that situation if it hadn't been for God. Because look, you, you were willing to do, but there was just some things you just can't do. Some things I just can't do. But when we went down on our knees, matter of fact, God is so good, he doesn't even require us to have to always go down on our knees. When you just opened up your mouth and whispered a prayer, God started moving. He started moving right then. Glory, hallelujah. Father God, in your name, we thank you. And Lord God, as a church family, and for those who are visiting with us, they're our family too. 153 years that you kept us. Lord, so many different things could have happened. And Lord God, if the truth 
all be told, so many things probably did happen that should have split us up. But 153 years later, you kept us together. We give you all praise, honor, and glory that you rightly deserve for the past generations of this membership and the current generation. And Lord, not only that, I ask you now to use me as you will, Holy Spirit, to glorify yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we get a little more hand clap of praise? He's worthy. He's worthy. Church family, I, I, I thank God for blessing us to be here on this morning. All of us, I thank God uh, for my sisters in Christ. Uh, I thank God for my brother in Christ, Reverend Freeman. Uh, I thank God for the, the, those who serve in positions of uh, leadership and responsibility. All the members of the church, all who are visiting, just thank God for all of us and his, his love, grace, and mercy that he shows everybody. The Bible says even the unsaved, even the unsaved, God shows them love, grace, and mercy. But now there are some things that are reserved just for those who are saved now. The, the, I think it used to be MasterCard said membership has its privilege. If that ain't holy enough, T.D. Jake said favor ain't fair. But when you serve and you humble yourself before God, you've got his favor. So we thank God. Let, let us go uh, quickly because we got a long day still to go. Let's go quickly to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, just those two verses. Deacons, uh, excuse me. Ushers, please be seated. Thank you all so much. Uh, Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, real quickly. Keisha, good to see you, man. Amen. Amen. Good to see you here on this morning. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. I'm reading this from the New International Version. This is what it says. Verse uh, 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That means don't you recognize it? I'm doing a new thing. It's coming up. Don't you recognize it? Then he says, still verse 19, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Church family, for just a few minutes, let us reason together from this thought. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Apple, the Apple Corporation, Starbucks, Best Buy, these are all Fortune 500 companies. They're very successful all around the world. They are different types of businesses, but they all have one thing in common. They have one common goal, or if I may, to make it more church appropriate, they have one common mission. These three companies, Apple, Starbucks, Best Buy, their mission is to make as much money as possible by providing products and services that people want and need. Now, don't be fooled. They in it to make money. That's, that's what they're all about. I ain't mad at them. That's, that's what they're all about. Amen. Amen. But did you know this? Not so long ago, <clears throat> from couple of years to 20 years, in the, within the last 20 years, every one of these three companies was about to go out of business until they figured out how to improve. Let me just share quickly the story of Best Buy. Best Buy is the largest walk-in 
the largest brick and mortar electronic store in the United States. But in 2010, Best Buy sales and profits had dropped so low that some of the so-called financial experts said that Best Buy was going to go out of business. They were going just like Circuit City. Y'all remember Circuit City? They used to be Best Buy's competition before they went out of business, and folks were saying Best Buy was going to do the same thing. In 2012, Best Buy's chief executive officer, their, their CEO, uh, at the time, he got involved in a, in a very public scandal. And the scandal made the company's stock drop even lower. Best Buy fired that CEO, and they hired a new CEO. Amen. Amen. The new CEO implemented some creative ideas. And almost immediately, the company's sales and profits began to increase. And from 2012 to 2016, by the time we get to 2016, Best Buy was once again a top Fortune 500 company. Here's the point of my sharing that story. Best Buy's new CEO recognized that in order to start making money again, the company would have to do a new thing. They, they couldn't just keep operating Paula business as usual. That's why they were about to go bankrupt. Business as usual, right? Believe it or not, believe it or not, Roanoke Salem Missionary Baptist Church has a lot in common with Apple, Starbucks, Best Buy. We are in business, not in the secular sense, but in a spiritual sense. Amen now, we are. We have a CEO, and his name ain't Edwin Horsley. Our CEO's name is Jesus the Christ. We have a mission. We repeat it every Sunday. Our mission comes from God's word. It's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. That, that's our mission. That's our mission. Now, yes, we do need money. Ain't that right, Brother Jesse? Yes, we do need money. And we use money to help accomplish our mission. But we are not in the business of making money. Amen. We have a product that people need, Jesus Christ, even if they don't know that they need it. Yeah, we got something that they need, DeVito. It's called Jesus. Today we celebrate Roanoke Salem Missionary Baptist Church being 153 years old. As the church moves forward, its mission will be the same. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, don't ever go out of style, Hambone. That's always going to be our mission. Amen now. Amen. That's going to always be our mission. But the fact of the matter is that, um, and, and let, me just, let me just summarize our mission in, in, in a more simpler way. Our mission, if we read it from the Bible, let me summarize it this way. We are helping unsaved people recognize that they need to repent from their sins and give their lives to Jesus Christ. That's a simpler way of saying what our mission is. But if Ronald Salem wants to successfully, and that's the key word, if we want to successfully fulfill God's mission in the future, we have to be willing to think outside of the traditional box. And that brings us to Isaiah 43. 
Isaiah was God's prophet to four kings of Israel. Isaiah prophesied that the people of Israel would become slaves and be taken from their land because of their sin. He also prophesied that God would free the Israelites and restore them to their homeland in the future. Isaiah is speaking for Jehovah God. He's speaking God's words here now in chapter 43, verse 18. God tells the Israelites through Isaiah, he says to forget the former things and not to dwell on the past. God is clearly saying to Israel, leave the past behind. In the King James Version and the Amplified Translation of the Bible, the word past means the old things or the things of old. What I find interesting is this. God did not say the former things. He didn't say the old things. He didn't say they were wrong. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say the former and the old things are bad. He didn't say they were bad. God doesn't say the former things and the old things are useless. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say the former things are, 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 are bad. He doesn't say they're wrong. He doesn't say they're useless. God is simply telling the Israelites to forget them. Then in verse 19, God says he's doing a new thing for the Israelites. When God says he's making a way in the desert and putting streams in the wasteland, that's still in verse 19, he's saying that he will give the Israelites all the resources they will need to be successful as they move forward. Amen now. He said, I'm, 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 he said, I'm, I'm making a way in the desert. What's the desert? A dry place. He said, and I'm putting streams in the wasteland. A stream here is referring to water. So God is saying, even when we're in a dry place, even when we're in a barren place, in your personal life, spiritually, physically, whatever it may be. He says that if you keep trusting and obeying me, I'll make a way out of no way. I'll provide the resources that you need if you just keep trusting me, doing your best to obey me, and, and one more thing, and, and keep moving forward. Amen, 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 amen. Doesn't Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, didn't Matthew write about the fact that we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear, because God knows we have needs of all those things. He said, but rather seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else we need, God will provide. I, I believe Isaiah 43 and 18 and 19 has application to us because I'm confident God is doing a new thing at Ronald Salem Missionary Baptist Church. Amen now. I tell you what, if I, if I don't get no amens but my own, I'm going I'm to I'm slap myself high five and say amen on that one. To God be the glory. For 153 years, God has blessed Roanoke Salem. Why? Because we have always had members and pastors who love the Lord and who try our best to serve him faithfully. That's where our success comes from, church family. We've always had members and pastors who genuinely love the Lord and we want to do and we do our very best to serve him faithfully. Do we get it right all the time? No, we don't. But nobody walking on the face of the earth gets everything right all the time. 
God will bless us and give us favor for the fact that, just like David, our hearts are towards him. We want to do what's right, and we don't make excuses, and we try to do what's right. Amen, amen, amen. But we also know that since the church, and, 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 and Sister Irma just told us, I, I have in my notes open its doors, but the reality is they didn't open their doors because you said they were under, what was that, Sister Irma? A right, four pillars with some bushes across the top of them. So since they started their services under that bush heart in 1866, there have been many drastic changes in this world. Can I give you a few examples? We've gone from horse and buggy to driverless cars. I don't want to see no driverless car on my street. But anyway, we've gone from horse and buggy to driverless cars. We've gone from encyclopedia, getting our information out of the encyclopedia, to being able to find everything you want to know and probably some stuff you don't need to know on the Internet. Amen. We've gone from Diane Carroll, who just passed last week. Y'all remember Julia? TV show, groundbreaking show. We've gone from Diane Carroll to Tiffany Haddish. Amen. We've gone from Larry Bird to LeBron James. World has changed dramatically in these last 153 years. And over the years, Roanoke Salem has also changed with the times as we try to reach the masses for Jesus Christ. In every generation, our church has been challenged to find ways to make God's word relevant to the unsaved folks of their day. So as this generation of Roanoke Salem, if we're going to embrace the new thing that God is doing as he uses us to help him save this generation from their sins, we have to continue to trust and obey God. He will help find the right balance between the traditional and the contemporary as we move forward. It ain't about kicking out the traditional. It's about finding the right balance. For those of you all who were here for um, Sunday school this morning, Deacon Otis Allen was teaching, I could have jumped up and shouted all across this church because he talked about some of the things that were on my heart, been on my heart for the last year and a half. And we've been saying it all the time. You cannot say you love the Lord and then turn up your nose at somebody that come in here don't look like you. You can't love Jesus. If, 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 if because, you know, hairstyles different than what you're used to, clothing is different than what you're used to, uh, maybe they're loud and you're a little quiet. Um, as he said, may, maybe somebody, no fault of their own, in a bad situation, they're homeless or don't have a permanent home, so maybe they don't get a chance to take a hot, a hot shower or bath every single morning or every single night, DeVito. But if they come up in here because the Lord leads them, we got to welcome them. Amen. We got to. Amen. I'm telling you now, people act like young folks don't want to come to church. That's not true. But they want to go to a church where the word is being preached in a way that's, that's relevant to where they are in their lives, how they're living. I know they go to church because I watch the Hills, Hillsong channel. And the Hillsong channel, all I see is thousands and thousands of millennials worshiping and praising God to the highest. I watch T.D. Jakes sometimes, and they, they, they scan the congregation. A lot of young folk up in there. 
even, even teenage and, and, and preach, they're there. They'll go to church. They'll praise the Lord. But they got to know that they're welcome to be there to praise the Lord. And we, can't, and we, got, to, we got to at least acknowledge that we want to let them or acknowledge that maybe they praise the Lord a little differently, but they're still giving honor to Jesus Christ. They're not trying to change the gospel. They're just, they're, they're, they're just receiving the gospel in a different way. That's all it is. They're not trying to change the gospel. And we're not going to change the gospel. Amen. Now, I understand some of us may feel uncomfortable about trying new ideas and trying new ways of operating and even welcoming new people. But, but let me just remind y'all of what y'all know is my favorite scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. If we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not to our own understanding, if, if we in all of our ways give God praise, go to him in prayer, then it says he will direct our path. Not hoarsely. Y'all going to blame me. But it ain't me. He will direct our paths. Amen. And I believe that. Then verse number seven says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We can do this, church family. Here's a question, just in case you think I'm talking out my head. Has God ever failed you when you trusted and obeyed him? Come on now. If you've got the testimony that God has never failed you personally, your family, you're praying for your, your child, your husband, your wife, your mom, whoever it is. If God has never failed you personally, why would you think God would fail us corporately if we all praying and trusting and obeying God? It doesn't even make sense that that would happen. God won't fail Roanoke Salem now if we follow his instructions. I can't tell you everything that God will do, but I can tell you that God will be with us as we move forward. I know that's right because I have some witnesses from the Bible that God did a new thing in their lives. There's a man named Abraham. God did a new thing in his life. This is from the NIV, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, listen now, when called to Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, listen, even though he did not know where he was going. His obedience to God. He already had a track record and a history to know that if I be obedient to what the Lord tells me to do and I trust him, he's going to do it for me. Do you remember Ruth? Ruth, her sister-in-law, and their mother-in-law, a woman named Naomi, they all lost their husbands about the same time. With no husband to take care of her, Ruth could have been the victim of all kinds of abuse back in that day because it was a male-dominant society. Ruth should have gone back to her own homeland, but she decided to go, with her to, go to her mother-in-law's homeland, and then God did a new thing in Ruth's life. God supernaturally arranged for Ruth to meet a man named Boaz, and the rest, as they say, is history. Amen. Here's what it says in Ruth 14, verse 13, from the English Standard Version. It says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and Ruth bore a son. The son of Boaz and Ruth became the grandfather 
of King David, the man that God himself said, he's after my heart. Amen now. Come on now. God can do a new thing in your life and take something that looks one way right now and make it something that you could never imagine. It's all good. It's all good. I got one last witness. There was a man named Saul. He was a highly educated Pharisee. He hated everybody that believed in Jesus Christ. Saul had legal authority to capture, to torment, even kill Christians if he wanted to. But God did a new thing in Saul's life. One day while Saul was going to Damascus to kill some Christians, Jesus knocked him off his donkey and blinded him. Jesus spoke out loud to Saul. This is what it says from the NIV in Acts 9, 5 through 6. Jesus said, um, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. A few days later, God restored Saul's sight. He eventually changed his name to Paul and God made Paul the greatest missionary in the history of the world. Abraham, Ruth, Paul, their stories are examples to us that when God does a new thing, people will be blessed. There are thousands of people in Northampton and Halifax counties right now, this very moment, that need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our church mission has not changed, but the way we engage people has to change if we're going to reach people for Jesus. It just has to. It just has to. And as the church family knows, I've said a time or two, there is a way with God's with God's uh, wisdom, there's a way to find a balance so that those who are more traditional don't feel like this is not my church anymore. And those who are non-traditional can feel welcome in the church. I know it's possible because I see it on television all the time. I watch some of these, these uh, different ministers, uh, male and female. And again, sometimes the camera goes out in their congregation, and you see a good mixture of all. I see women and brothers, you know, suits and ties, women in their hats and coats, right here in part of the church, and right behind them in the pew behind them, I see the young brother who's in his blue jean jacket. But when the man of God or the woman of God starts speaking the truth for the Lord, both of them jump up on their, on their feet and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Because both of them know that God is real. They both had the experience of Jesus working some things out in their lives. And they're not ashamed of the gospel. We can do this, church family. We, we can do this. We can do this. Amen. 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 God is doing a new thing with this church. Because he has appointed us to be part of the church movement that is using creative ideas and technology to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this generation. God can save this generation just like he saved us. Don't you give up on your grandchildren. Don't you give up on your great-grandchildren. Don't you give up on your nieces and nephews that are not praising and serving the Lord. Don't give up on them not for one second, don't you? Because if you give up on them, that means you're giving up on God. Don't you give up on them. Because the same way God saved you. Well, Deke Dupree, let me talk about me. The same way God saved me with my most unrighteous and unholy self. He can save them too. I'm not special. John 3.16 says, whoever will believe in the Lord Jesus. 
shall be saved. Don't give up on those folks. No, ma'am, no, sir. Don't you, don't you let the devil tell you, well, you know it's a new day, and, you know, they don't, they don't know the Lord. They don't want to. Some of them don't, but a lot of them will if we let them have a chance to get to know the Lord using his word, but in their language. Amen? Amen now. We were sinners on our way to death and hell, but God did a new thing in our lives. He sent his son Jesus to save you and to save me. Because he wanted us all to be saved. He loved us so much. He was willing to die on Calvary's cross. He was willing to suffer the pain. He was willing to suffer the shame. He did a new thing. He walked that thing out as only somebody that was fully committed could do. But not only fully committed, somebody that was trusting and obeying God. Don't you know that Jesus did not want to go up on that cross? Don't you know that he said so in the word? Jesus didn't want to take them nails in his hand. Jesus didn't want to take those nails in his feet. Jesus didn't want folks cussing at him like they were. Jesus didn't want people slapping him around like they were. Jesus didn't want people spitting in his face like they were. Jesus didn't want his back beating so badly you could see his ribs and his blood was flowing everywhere. Jesus didn't want to suffer all that in the flesh. But he did a new thing. In the spirit. Because he went on up on that cross anyway. Took those nails in his hands anyway. Took those nails in his feet anyway. Let him pierce him in his side anyway. Let him spit on him anyway. Let him slap his face anyway. Let him put a thorn, a crown of thorns on his head anyway. Let him, let them beat him almost to death anyway. Because he knew a new thing was coming along. And everybody could get saved. Yeah, he went down in that borrowed tomb. They didn't kill him. He gave up his life. Stayed there the rest of Friday. Stayed there all day Saturday. Stayed there all Saturday night. But then early on Sunday morning, the Bible says, and I believe it, Jesus did a new thing. He got up with all power in his hands. He took away the sin of the world once and for all. That was a new thing. See, because before then, they had to kill bulls. And they had to kill doves. And they had to kill calves. But Jesus was the one and only final, ultimate sacrifice. So that all you and I have to do is just simply confess him with our mouths. And if we believe in our hearts that he rose from the dead, we are saved. Not only are we saved, y'all, we got God's favor in our lives. Your God's favor is the reason why you and I are sitting here this morning. Not a one of us in here can rightfully and honestly say, if we look back over our lives, we have earned the right to still be alive right now. Not one of us. It's his grace and mercy. His love for all humanity. And church family, the reason why I'm, I'm on it like I am this morning is because that's what we've got to show these folks out here who don't know him like we do. Because once they come to know him, they will love him like we do. And, and they'll understand that the best life they can ever live is having a daily relationship with Jesus. We can't force them, but we got to make them feel welcome. We got to let them know that we're willing to embrace them. We got to embrace them now. 
And see, we ain't got to wait and have any kind of special thing to happen. All that needs to happen to right now, beginning today, is every one of us become a committee of one. And, and we can start with our family members and friends or people we know on the job or people we know in community who we know are not saved. It ain't about so much them coming to Roanoke-Salem. It's about them getting saved. If they come into Roanoke-Salem, get saved, and go somewhere else, to God be the glory. That's between them and God. But what we want God, we, what we want to hear God say is, well done, because we fulfilled the Great Commission. We fulfilled our mission. We can do this, church family. Give God some glory.